Francois Tonduk pumps this one, kicks it towards touch across far side. However, Conway stops it from going in. Conway has it. Oh, it's on the oh. right now. Conway raises. He's going for with this one. Andrew Conway. Oh, he's got it for the try. Andrew Conway with the try for Munster. Five minutes, 16 seconds remaining. The Hard Yards, brought to you by Sports Joe. Up to the short side. Before, but I'm the referee on this team, not you. Hi Rob, Zeeb's here. Just want to discuss the captaincy next. Just call it. Oh, and Ringrose comes through. Oh, that is brilliant from Ringrose. Ringrose is going here. What a score! You're welcome to the Hard Yards. Producer Alan McNan sitting in for Andy McGeady today. And I've got Pat McCarry and James Downey in studio. And don't worry, you'll be getting your fill of Andy a little later on. He's joining us on the phone from the sunny south of France. First up, gents, how are you? Very good. Fair play to Andy, south of France. I know, he's a jammy boss, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't believe he went on holiday on Champions Cup quarterfinal weekend. I know, yeah. He, he, um, he, and he was letting everybody know about it as well, with his scenic pictures from France as well when he, dur- during the games. Like when I was sitting, freezing my ass off there at the, at the games the weekend, putting in the real hard work, and Andy's over there basically feet up, glass of wine in his hand. Yeah, I was thinking that. No better man to take over though, Alan. Fair play to you. Thanks oh, very doing much, a great guys. job so far, Al. Thanks very much, lads. It's much smoother actually. Even the meetings beforehand were so much smoother. Like it's so much easier to get on with. I'm so professional though. Correct. I'm way more professional than Andy. Correct. And the trousers are a lot better. Not, yeah. not as hard on the eyes. <laughs> yeah, of Andy. the studio is significantly darker today without Andy's bright jumpers. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pat, you're running up the expenses account this weekend down in Limerick, oh, and <laughs> back to the Aviva as well. Yeah, can't wait to put that the in. Producer with them there. <laughs> running the accountant will be happy <laughs> I'll be logging that now happily in the next while yeah down to down to Limerick um, and uh, absolutely brilliant game the, the Munster game was, was, was pure class like from the first minute like you knew there was going to be some, you know chaos going on here and both sides were going to be tearing into each other and I was only saying there that just like you know these two lads are big when you see them you know from the sidelines they're just absolutely gigantic each one of them would have out, like, outsized and, and, and you know and being bigger than the Munster backline as well but so many of those lads stepped up and made big tackles and and yeah just Munster had to just hold on for the first 15-20 minutes and just fight for dear life to cling on and lucky to be 6-0 down and to come back then and just guys stepping make big plays like Conway making a big tackle save a try mm. O'Mahony stealing line outs and stuff and uh, and that was it it was just kind of it was rare to see Munster having to hold on in the first 20 minutes of a home game like but that was it though the first few minutes was all too long like the percentage mm. plays popped up there at the start and it was like 45% inside the 22 like another 40% inside the Munster half and yeah. it was like it was just insane it was so intense for the first few minutes they were so lucky not just to be 6-0 down yeah I think you're like you could see <laughs> As you say, that first 45, they're just back foot constantly, you know, and it's like rare to see in a cup game. And I was just waiting for, for them to just break them down, you know, and get a few scores and kind of and nick away with it. But uh, the ferocity in the defence, as you say, this, these one-off plays coming off, you know, mm. and I think uh, a lot of credit goes to obviously Andy Conway was superb, yeah. you know, and uh, haven't played for so long. But even the midfield, I think uh, Scannell hadn't played in Sammy Arnold to keep the two lads pretty quiet, you know. Like, they're, as you say, they're so powerful. Like, yeah. I left the house this morning and my dad had said that they were behind the posts um, for one of them and he said the sub stood up in front of them and just blocked all of you he said they were absolutely huge like he said you could just see them you know and you're just waiting for 
a French team you'd normally expect to fatigue uh, and you can actually kind of run them mm. round the place and, and tire them out but look they were just kept on coming they're class individuals aren't they um, and collectively they're a little bit better but Munster just for if you look at the injury list as well like it's, yeah. a, it's an even bigger statement of intent yeah um, Tommy O'Donnell's out for the season now he came out yeah, there today as well another yeah just, just like Injury wise, they've just been ravaged this year, haven't they? Like, and you think of Earls is gone, Cody is gone, Chris Farrell, Tyler Blen, like, just, say, yeah. yeah, you know, these are like five or six lads who probably would be in their first fifteen. So, yeah, but there was a good comment from Peter Romani at the end. He kind of said, "Yeah, this is a monster team that takes the field." Like, and I suppose yeah. that's the yeah. attitude they have. Yeah, that's what he it was just kind of um, the way he said it was almost kind of in a incredulous way where they were talking about injuries, and he was just shaking his head saying the Munster team is, is the Munster team you see out on the pitch and that's the way they speak about it and they don't talk about the guys they can't get back in and um, yeah and, that, and that's it the, the guys really kind of I suppose that's even um, Fabian Galtier said it at the end of the game I don't think he meant it as an insult he was just kind of saying this isn't a team of stars it's a team that kind of works hard for each other Like, and people might have taken that as an insult because like O'Mahony was saying we have world class players who are out injured at the moment but um, it's almost like Ireland in a way where like guys are stepping in to do the job and I think even Johan van Graan was saying at the end of the game as well that he had got Arnold and Scannell in a room together before the game a couple of days out and said this isn't about Nanu and Bastro this is about you guys and, and having a good game and the two of them are absolutely brilliant together I think at one stage yeah. they, they teamed up to turn somebody over as well like with a choke tackle and um, just fierce and you've seen Arnold with the head wrapped at the end and calling the ball on himself on the next play and um, just so many guys stepped up and, and to hear O'Mahony say that's the best defensive display he's ever seen from a Munster backline was, was incredible yeah yeah we've got some audio from Peter O'Mahony here I must say that I thought the backs were superb today. I thought their, their, their defence was one of the best performances I've ever seen from from a monster backline. You know they were up against guys who were, you know, momentum givers. Um, you know, world class athletes, world class rugby players. Um, played in a lot of big rugby. You know, Sammy Arnold's first first uh, you know game knockout game in Europe. Rory Scans. I thought our back three were were quality. You know, what I mean, last ditch tackles against bigger men than them you know bigger men and, and I thought they, they took a lot of momentum away from them Yeah interesting to hear him say it's the best defensive performance there they've seen from Munster's side Yeah and he would have been yeah, I think the seven seven seasons now at Munster as well so he would have been there for some big games and to kind of say see that would have been um, you know it's a big compliment to the lads but I was even saying I think everybody every single player in that back line can be proud of themselves like Keatley was putting in some big hits and a big good pass through the ball as well and then I was even saying at one stage Conway got stepped by Radrada out in the left wing and Wooten, Wooten came over made a tackle around the ankles and then he knocked on just before he got to the line Like so every one of those guys can be proud of what they did there yeah. but yeah. these, guys, oh, sorry. Oh, no, these I, guys are absolute monsters though Like so you've got Bastro and you've got Nanu in the centre like like how do you do you go high on them when they come at you or what do you do do you try to go low but they might offload it then what do you do yeah I think um, when I play Played against them in the semi. Um, I think I just threw myself at Bastro's legs, no real arms involved, um, just to try and take <laughs> take him out of stride. It kind of worked, like yeah. actually, because he got take with me and it was it was fine. Put him off his game a little bit, but look, um, he's he's a tough man. You just got to get up to him early, and I think the two lads got up in his face uh, so much. They worked so well. Um, mm. They dovetail between what they were doing an awful lot, and I do think it wasn't. It was it was all about the the team, as as Pete's mentioned. It, it's that team team ethic that team mentality that Munster have and everyone works hard for everyone so if there's a little half break if someone makes an error someone else will make up for that error um, how far can they go 
don't know. Um, I don't know if that's the peak of where they are. Like you know, mm. I think they've because okay, we've you got to give them the height of respect and how far they've they've gotten so far. Given the list, completely agree with Pete and saying that this, it's all about the team and the jerseys bigger than individuals. Absolutely. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how far they can go after that. But um, defensively, like bodies on the line, it's what it's harsh to say. It's what you'd expect, but um, it kind of is from a Munster team, and they're the standards that they set, the high, high standards. Yeah, just just a little matter of racing up next in Bordeaux. Yeah, and again, look, it's not going to hold any fears for them. You know, mm. they've played them twice, and they know what to do. Uh, Raj again and Dunners on the other side again is going to make it so interesting. You know, and it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks and the build up to that. But for me, um, unfortunately, I think that they've kind of they've kind of peaked, and to go on and beat Racing jeez I hope they do I really hope they prove me wrong but I don't know if they can go much further than that yeah it's going to be a big test for them but I actually want to go back to that Andrew Conway try and mm. I was watching and I was thinking is Pat McCarry going to maintain his professionalism here <laughs> or is he actually going to be hopping up banging his fist on the table or were you similar to Michael Corcoran I wasn't far yeah. uh, Corcoran was brilliant wasn't he because I was, was only comparing it to the BT commentary and it was just Andrew Conway Andrew Conway Andrew Conway like so, but Corcoran really good Corcoran was through the roof like and uh, yeah that was one as I said I, I've maintained professionalism when I was over in Twickenham when the Grand Slam was won but I did punch a table again when Conway got that try and um, just just incredible for him just to even see it and you could see I was saying watching back in the replays you can see it was a split second decision you know it was just kind of took it in the minute he pulled it down and within not even half a second he's like I'm going for this and for some weird reason uh, Tui Vosa had ran past him um, I don't know. I think, I, I think he thought it was going out. Gonna I was going to say that, yeah. And he's, so he's got a free run, but still, he mm. still has to recognise that. Like yeah. you know, and I thought the same thing. Like I was like, like what a take. Like Toman Park has seen like some tries, you know, and like mm. you can go through the the history of it and say, okay, that's an amazing try. Dougie Howell has got to be up there with plenty of them, but but that for given the uh, the game on the line, given the circumstances. Uh, like what a take, what a finish! He still had a hell of a lot of work to do. Mm. Like it was, I thought I thought of the Teddy Tomat try a little bit, yeah, yeah. but but this is a game winner. Like this is a match winning try. Like what a pff, hats off, Andy Conway. But that was the thing: the skill alone in the catch. Like he caught it, his foot was inside, but the ball is out mm. up above on his left hand side, and then he ran it back. And like he didn't seem to step anyone; he just seemed to say, "I'm just going to run around you." And that's what he did then. Yeah, and there was some nice um, little, like tiny little things. I think he was going to score anyway, but nice little moments for Sammy Arnold and Niles Scannell both got in the way of lads with their arms up mm. like sorry I'm, I'm just chasing back here but did a little enough to give him that little extra half a second here and there and and that was I think even the, the, the covering defender the last man back he was even surprised that this guy's going to keep going he's going to keep going cut in uh, brilliant score for him and, and a guy who's been out for 11 weeks mm. as well like and, and missed out on the Grand Slam which he definitely would have been involved in with Ireland just to come back and do something like that I haven't even I think Van Graham was saying after the game to us that he hadn't even trained near 100% during the week so to come out and do that after 75 minutes was incredible Yeah we've a clip of Van Graan here talking about that actually No when he kicked it I thought it's going straight into touch um, from the top it, it was right in line with the with the coach's box um, we saw the wing actually run past it and, and then it opened up um, and then all credit to Andrew you know, the last game we played uh, was against Gust um, he worked really hard I said earlier in the week all credit to our medical staff and to Andrew for pulling through and you know, delivering a magic moment after 76 or 77 minutes, I don't know the exact times, but to 
come back from an injury and put in a performance like that, started on the wing, finished on fullback. Um, I think that's what this team is about. Yeah, and Pat, like, what was the atmosphere like kind of at the end of the game? Because the camera panned at one stage to Chris Ashton, and I'm not good at lip reading, but he seemed to be saying, "What just happened?" And was was that the feeling in the stadium at the end of it? Yeah, it, it was because um, there was big moments in the game, and like um, like you know Murray's try, that big scrum they had, but then Conway's thing was just they were on a high after that. But and then there's still moments like you know, they had to get negotiating for four or five minutes, and I think James Cronin and, and Gerbrand Grobler both made a couple of big turnovers near the end. But there was just almost a party atmosphere the minute that finished, and and you could just see the boys. I think there was a brilliant video that Munster put out soon after of like this, the lads on the sideline all just going ballistic at the end of the final whistle and. Yeah, maybe James is right. It's like something that this was their big achievement, and you hope that they haven't. Um, you know, this isn't the peak for them. They'll, they'll be hoping that as well. A lot of those guys aren't coming back, but yeah, just great scenes of celebration at the end, and like a strapped up, you know, Sammy Arnold kind of going around and raising Conway's arm to the crowd, and people going over and spotting people in the crowd. I suppose they know this is the last game they're going to be playing at Toman Park in Europe, and um, but yeah, there's a big kind of party atmosphere there, and um, the great thing for them is they're getting away now to South Africa like in the Pro 14 yeah. for two weeks so th- I think they, they would have celebrated a hard last night but then they're all flying out and they're out of the bubble now for a couple of weeks which is great Yeah, do you think that's a good thing though because they're going to be training over there for two weeks with kind of a limited squad you know or do you think kind of being out of the bubble kind of outweighs that? Well, I think it's going to be a bit of sunshine is going to be nice for them just to kind of freshen up I think Van Graham's going to be quite smart in how he plays it um, obviously He's now got to got to think how he's going to go about the next couple of weeks. You know, was it three weeks now mm-hmm. till the semi final? Um, he's going to have to rest some players. Some of the lads who played the weekend, I'm sure, he's going to say, right, feed up, get some other guys in. Again, it's that squad mentality that he's got down there that he you're having these younger lads or whatever stepping up, and you need it. It's a squad game. You know, he he doesn't have that many numbers, so some guys are going to have to double up again, but. He's going to be. I'd say training is going to be handy enough this week. There'll be no contact probably mm. first week, and then okay, depending on um, what goes on this weekend, it'll probably change it around next week. Have two, probably have two squads. We've got our spy on the ground in France, Andy McGeady on the line. Andy, how are you getting on? Hello, lad. Bonjour, Andrew. Bonjour, ça va? That's all Trevian, I have. That's all I have. Where exactly are you, Andy? I am sitting on the seafront in San Rafael, which is about half an hour west of Nice, and it's very nice. Brunch. Hadn't known from your social media, you haven't been posting about it at all. <laughs> um, I'm just picturing no, you there. No, I'm picturing you there with a stack of flat whites around you, and uh, all the French newspapers out in front of you. Yeah, I think if you ask for a fat flat white in this part of France, they just look at you very funny. So it's cafe creme all the way. I cafe think. Creme, but, yeah. uh, no, it's good. It's been um, it was uh, an ill-timed break when you consider the big matches at home. But uh, great to get away. Yeah, I can't believe you booked your holiday for Champions Cup quarter final weekend. Yeah, announced months ago as well. Pretty sloppy. I, pretty selfish. I cannot comment on my social secretary. <laughs> anyway, so you're our man on the ground over there. What's the reaction been like to the Munster result? Uh, I was just looking through the papers the last couple of days, and the there hasn't been a huge amount of fuss about the TMO decisions. They're much more critical about Toulon, uh, which is, I suppose, good. They're very complimentary of the way Munster played, um, and especially the especially the backs. I think that uh, they foresaw that, you know, a Munster pack playing in Tolman 
against any team will front up and like they're terrific players but they were not expecting what they got from the lesser lights in that monster backline. Yeah, we were speaking about that earlier, the performances of Sammy Arnold and um, Rory Scannell. Rory yeah. Scannell, yeah. Um, but what I actually wanted to talk to you about was the TMO decision, the Conor Murray try, because I was watching that and I was thinking, Andy is absolutely loving this real technical TMO decision. It was. It was really interesting because uh, you could see Owens breaking it down like bit by bit. And the weird thing was he was breaking it down as if he really wanted to give it a try. As in, Conor Murray has done something very smart here. Like, whatever the final decision would be, I want to give him as much room as I can and therefore we will break this down step by step. It, it went on too long, though. That wasn't, mm. It wasn't fun for an audience. It definitely wasn't fun for the lads in the field. What was it, about six and a half minutes? Um, no, that's, that's not great. Uh, but credit to Murray. I thought it was a genius bit, especially when you look at the top-down um, camera, the one from in over the end zone. Uh, you can see he's clearly onside. He jumps faster than anybody else when that ball slips. And no matter if your interpretation is that ball goes forward, forward, sideways, whatever, he's going, this rook is over. And it's fair game. And like that's part of what the make, makes the man the player he is. Yeah, it's just great knowledge of the rules and the heat of battle, you know. Um, there's, a good li- there's a good line from Peter O'Mahony about that after him. He was saying... Um, he was kind of saying that's the type of player he is very bright very diligent you know he was switched on he was saying uh, a lot of guys wouldn't even have the balls to to go and do something like that but that's the potential because you could get called offside if you did something like that but he said the team was under the pump on the try line that'd be one of the last things you'd want to do you know get called offside but Murray took the risk and it was great watching in slow motion you've seen him flagging to Owens I'm going to touch this down here as well and while everybody else is losing their minds this guy is like ice cold you know like blood running through his veins yeah, it's, it's his reaction, isn't it? Even the scrum half, the French scrum half, is nowhere near it. You know, he just goes bang. He, he complains first, goes the ball's out, knock on, mm. picks it up, has a wherewithal to actually do it. It's an interesting one to kind of say that it's um, not everyone would go for that. But if it was the flip side now, it would be interesting to see if he'd give away a penalty the other end of the field. If you're if you're under the pump, you know, if you would have kind of gone for that and touched it back or something like that. Mm. But but no, look, can't take anything away. It's brilliant piece of play but I completely agree with Andy it's uh, it's one of these things that like the TMO starting to kind of drag on a little bit I know yeah, yeah, I know they is. want to make it you want to make the right decision absolutely but it's starting to, to drag it was a big weekend for the TMOs actually because there was a good few of them in the Racing Claremont one as well but um, I'm actually interested to hear your thoughts James on the Simon Zebo decision oh uh, yeah yeah uh, on, Andy you, do you want to come in there Andy, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say because that one was that's something which has definitely been picked up. It's even the photo of the week in the back of Medial and Peak. Like that, Zebo gets that ball ahead of Ashton. I, I there are a lot more days I think where that gets given penalty try yellow right. card. I'd be really interested in Jimmy's uh, in Jimmy's interpretation of what he saw there. Yeah, I saw when the kick through Zebo's coming across with that momentum. And he's his hand doesn't look as if he's going to bring the ball down to the ground. He's pushing it out. He's just mm-hmm. getting it away. He's looking for a collision with Ashton that they both nearly hit it similar, similarly and it just gets knocked out. Mm-hmm. But he's pushed it out sideways. So for me, oh, it's a tough one, but I'd nearly... Like, he'd be going penalties, right? If he hadn't got injured, it maybe broke up the momentum. Ashton was going crazy. Um, he thought it was knocked out. 
maybe kind of touched Ashton's hand a little bit, but might, might have saved it. If it was a clear Zebo hand knocking it out, 100% penalty try, but maybe just that little touch from Ashton. But I would have get like the first reactions, I was like, that's a penalty try there. They're losing Zebo and they're going to have um, a penalty try against them. Yeah, well, I also I thought about Chris Ashton as well because he was going nuts. Like, he was f- furious about it. But he said after the game, maybe he didn't help the situation by complaining so much to Nigel Owens. Yeah, it might not have helped. Yeah, he, um, yeah, just him being such an abrasive character as well, doesn't it? Like, and if, and maybe, if, you know, because it's all about wording it as well. Like, you know, if, if you just put in a, you know, you often see Rory Best or Johnny Sexton just having a word, but he might have even said something, you know, like Chris Ashton-esque to the referee as well, like to kind of put him <laughs> off. Like, and maybe you could have cursed and, you know, like something like that doesn't help and that yeah. kind of thing where you kind of lose the run of yourself a little bit. And uh, But it was a funny one. Ashton, like, he, I know he still got to try, but Munster had him, there was a target in his back all day like stop Chris Ashton wherever you can and they shut him down for an awful lot of it then in the end but uh, still managed to squeak in there um, but yeah his face at the end maybe that's the one that's going to stand out but you need an element to look and I think Munster got that mm. element there you know and sometimes you got to ride that look as much as you can um, and again they got a, they got a lot of it on the day the bounce of the ball that like the, that TMO decision Murray TMO decision small little things okay Conway's is an excellent bit of class but you need that look and I think that they do need a, a lot more look going forward yeah, well, there was no such luck or luck had nothing to do with it on Sunday in the Aviva because uh, Leinster were awesome. How impressive are Leinster? Yeah, Every it. week they just uh, increase it. Um, they go up a level, up another notch. You can see the the Irish players, um, Levy, James Ryan. Look, you can name every single one of them. You know, body on the line, Levy's eye closing over completely. And yeah. Just the physicality that they brought out there. Um, there's some interesting tactics going on. There was a lot of interesting battles going on. But um, and I was actually a little bit disappointed in Saris. But you got to take your hats off to Lenser and say how how good they were. You know, complete control. Yeah, Andy, where did you watch that game from? Uh, I was watching it from a nice, comfortable sitting room uh, over a pretty reliable stream. So yeah, all good. Totally uh, above board legal. It was amazing that how comfortable Leinster were at the start, but then keeping Saracens out for the rest of that half was a monumental achievement. It reminded me of like a couple of occasions, particularly the Harlequins game, uh, the Bloodgate game, where you just you, you're trying to keep that wave out, and they did it very, very well. Yeah, like Leinster, they had to survive without the ball for like long periods that first half. Like, yeah, I think Andy as well. You, if you see the stats, you mentioned the stats there. Same in the Munster game, Toulon had the ball for such a long period and actually held them out. And same with same with Leinster, um, Saris had the ball for such a long period and actually managed to keep them out. And I think sometimes this is the difference as well. You know, um, as I say, I thought after that Saris were a little bit shell shocked. I think again later on in the game when they made the substitutions, the game's gone. They're chasing the game a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, it's a little bit like the Ireland England game where it's it's done and dusted. You know, and it's like oh, if they played like that earlier on, it's not going to work like that though. Yeah, some of the some of the tackles yeah, that it's a really interesting um sorry, it's it's a really interesting contrast, Jimmy, to this stuff because uh Ireland have be, have won the Grand Slam with, you know, dominating yeah. a, a lot of possession and territory and like, sometimes it doesn't get you the right places. Um but in in both those games you're looking at uh Leinster and Munster completely changing saying right we, we will be the screen we're going to keep you out and I just thought it was if you look at it in the wider rugby picture it's a really good sign there's two sets of players there that have been now used to being on both ends of it mm. and they just did magnificently well 
Yeah, they, uh, at the end of the game, like the, the the lads who kind of were getting the credit again, were the likes of James Ryan and Dan Levy, and a, a guy who didn't get mentioned, I suppose, post match was the Tyg Furlong, who was immense again. Like the guy is a tight head and making great carries as well, and he's I think he put in fifteen tackles again in that game, and just and some of the impacts in the, that first twenty thirty minutes were just huge. You could just see it from like watching from up in the stands, like um, like Schalkberger was making a couple of big carries, and so was Jackson Ray, but. And a Toje as well, like but the, like the likes of Ryan and Levy were just absolutely creaming them back on their heels as well. Yeah, but Levy, like the stats, don't know how to tell a full story about things. But in the game, he had sixteen carries, he made eighty-two meters, he had three line breaks and fourteen tackles. Like that's an awesome performance for him, and he just seems to get better every game he plays. He's just, yeah, you know, you need Kev on here to, to get into yeah. the intricacies of the back row, but he's everywhere, isn't he? He just doesn't slow down. He's got a hell of an engine on him. Um, every time he just, like, as you say, he's no regard for his body whatsoever. He just throws himself into every collision. Um, and you can see it with the, with the marks he comes out with. But he's also smart as well. Like, for that for that try, you know, the, mm. the ball back inside again. Uh, was it James Ryan? James Ryan, yeah. yeah. So it's like... I don't know. I don't know if it was a pre-call move or something, but like I, I think it was uh, Alex Anderson was uh, was speaking when it was on. It was like this is something that like our pillar position uh, decided a rook was called out, and every coach I'm sure watching that with a wince, going, "Oh my god, you can't leave that position." But again, the smarts to have it and the acceleration again. But he also made a couple of breaks in midfield as well, and he was just everywhere. And look, what a gem! And I think we spoke about it before um, talking about when we we're talking about the Irish games that he was third choice, you know, and. Yeah. And now look at him. Now he's number one, and we're talking about well, if Sean's back, if Josh is back, they're going to have to do a hell of a lot of work to shift him, or you're going to have to find a position to put Dan in. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like he, um, for like I think remember he's kind of saying you got a nine and a half out of ten. We gave him a ten out of ten for his performance yesterday, and I don't think anybody complained. But there was a good photo at the end of the game yesterday of Sean O'Brien leaving the Aviva in a rickshaw after watching the game because he didn't make it onto the bench. I think Max Deegan got his debut there in Europe, but. Um, funny to kind of see how, how they kind of come along that far as well but uh, yeah a couple of uh, Levy had a couple of Saracens guys on him and a couple of really nice offloads where like it's almost like not a bother to him that he's getting tackled like he's still looking around one arm, one arm flicking an offload out there the, the power he has is, is incredible and the, the scary thing is that he can only get better over the next few years as well yeah because we name check James Ryan there in that a few times mm. as well like he was instrumental in that try that Levy got he, as he said he's got the pillar defender but there was another incident with him for James Lowe's try so Leinster were going back and forth across the field and then he got the ball and made a big carry broke to the ground and James Lowe ended up scoring down below yeah that was it because I think Sexton had made the break up the up the left wing so That's what right, is it yeah. and you just thought to yourself when you're watching it you know Saracen's in trouble so you're like Leinster have to score from this because Saracen's defence was, was scrambling so then it was some. They just needed somebody else. Then after Sexton made the grounds to make another big carry, and there, there's Ryan again stepping up. And invariably, whenever he got the ball in his hands, he just you know moshed somebody out of the way and made ground. And then Lowe had a dart, and then he basically got carried over the line. I think it was Jordy Murphy and stuff carried him up. Nasewa hit it as well. Mm. Yeah, and it looked like he was going to ground. And I think Atoji looking to kind of clamp him and hold him up, and mm. it was actually the wrong decision because the momentum when everyone hit that rock. Um, but. Uh, like you look at James Ryan still unbeaten in professional sport or his professional rugby career um, hell of an achievement but how good can this lad get you know and um, leadership qualities as well like this could be I don't want to build him up too much but this fella could be like you know a captain down the line for yeah, Ireland yeah. and could be the, the next guy for the next what 15-20 years yeah we keep talking about we're talking about the young guns too much. young guns standing up um 
And <laughs> you wrote a good article there last year, Pat, uh, mm-hmm. following Leinster's defeat to Scarlets in the Pro 12 semi-final. Yeah, well, it's one of those ones where it's like it's maybe a good article, but it's basically just because of a player being so honest at the end of a game, like, and it's it's all based on the quotes, like, and uh, yeah, Issa Nisewa was talking about. Um, they'd lost to Scarlets in the RDS that, you know two semi-finals had gone a begging they'd lost to Claremont as well and the say was just sitting there it was one of those kind of dark kind of gloomy nights as the, the press room with the RDS is off in a kind of rickety place even though they've put a fresh coat of paint on it recently but the say was just there and he just spoke from the heart and just said it's going to be a shite summer he said and it's going to be a tough summer there's a lot of hard lessons for these guys to learn he said a lot of younger lads you hope come back stronger from this and there we go. Eleven months later, like and Nasewa, you know, even touched on that at the end of the game. I kind of I got got to ask him about that conversation he had eleven months ago. They're in a tough place. Guys needed to step up over the next few next season, and and so they have. Absolutely, you know, we take those learnings seriously. Um, and you know, look at guys like uh, James Tracy, Dan Levy. Um, you know, these guys went through those times. Um, went on to win a Grand Slam, a lot of the young fellas and James Ryan in particular and those guys they they come back and the hunger's huge um, so it's up to learning from those learning from those uh, places that you fell down and getting up and, and going again and a lot of the young guys are at a huge level of enthusiasm to the squad at the moment Yeah, a big thing during that game from an Irish perspective was the targeting of Jonathan Sexton like he got a couple of late belts and R- Richard Wigglesworth laid into him at one stage yeah that, that was like you, you expect Sexton is not going to get like an armchair ride in any kind of game that he plays but um, you'd started off by seeing a Toje coming through in a couple of times and it was one of these kind of it's a second late but you're going to kind of forgive it like Sexton's going to expect this going to happen to him as well and you'd be an idiot if you were a coach and you didn't send your team out to go after Sexton so so that, a lot of that was fine but I suppose it was the accumulation of within the space around 15-20 minutes in the first half four late hits on him and they all built up uh, there was a little back and forth with George Cruz who's a Lions teammate of his who kind of came in Sexton through a loop pass and there there comes you know Cruz clumsily let's say came through a second later but Sexton had a word of him flicked the heel out of him I was saying like Beckham and Simeone in, in the World Cup in 98 and um, and then again I think only three or four minutes later Wigglesworth came through and that was the worst of the four of them uh, just kind of went in with the shoulder hit Sexton in the face that like. didn't look good on the telly when they showed the replay yeah because he had to jump as well but he's quite short I, just, you're, I was going to say you're looking at a smaller guy but um, as Pat was saying I think you go into the game um, from a Saracen's point of view Sexton's the main player you're going to target him um, you're going to go from it's it's the nature of sport that you want to not take out their best player but you want to make him make him work like you know the easy thing for Johnny would have been to not play his flat not bring it up to the line change his game uh, the way the Sarri's defence are coming up so hard drop a little bit deeper and then he's, in, he's no threat so then they've gotten into his head um, sometimes you can get into his head as well but like if he's going to kick out and he forgets what he's supposed to do um, I know that like in so- certain games we would have targeted certain players as well and kind of just trying to put them off their game mm. a little bit. I remember Paul Volley for cash against Munster used to hit, uh, was hitting O'Gara like a day late, you know, and, <laughs> and but rattled O'Gara so much that they actually won the game that he was been put off it. And Johnny is just, he's a hard man, isn't he? Like, you know, and Sarri's just, they were cheap. Like, I don't mind a second or two kind of late, you know, like close when they're committed, but they were late and they were, they were stupid penalties, a lot of them actually. Yeah, because you see it a lot where it's kind of like the borderline late, where it's like they know they're not going to get them, but they're fully committed. 
like yeah it's but look these are this is part of the game it's like we're, we've mentioned Alan Wynn sitting on an, a scrum half holding them down like this is the similar kind of things okay it's a lot more um, bruising or physical especially if you're going to hit them high um, but if the referee's dealing with it that's the way it is like you know and that's uh, such is the nature of the game but I don't think that you can kind of be overly like a, like American football and protect your quarterback as much you know and go oh no tackling him like that would take it away from the game and take away from, from Johnny but again look what Johnny does he steps up and, and controls things and carries and doesn't affect him that was it like at the end of the game I think um, Leo Cullen had mentioned that a couple of times that they'd aggressively targeted Sexton and but he was kind of saying in a way it was a good way of the rest of the back line got that bit of freedom because they were going after Sexton like but um, it, it was an interesting one because from an Irish perspective I said I know Leinster won and the focus might have been more on Sexton getting targeted if they had a loss but it was still a story it was still a late couple of hits they put on him as well but it was interesting to be in the press room and hearing some of the English journalists that were over covering the game as well getting calls from their desk back in the, the likes of London and Manchester and being asked about it and they were trying to say I didn't see anything like you know like Sexton this is part of the game like and they were calling it like you know Leinster bleating and stuff like that and, and they were being sore winners like but it's funny to kind of see you know, you're, are you have your green tinted shades on? Are you thinking that maybe Sexton should yeah. be protected a little bit too much? But um, as I said, you don't mind some of them, but it's the accu- accumulation and then Wigglesworth just the cherry on top, just kind of. And that should have been looked at again by Gareth says, and he just he let play go on for that. Yeah, but he, he, uh, did he not give? Did he not come back for a penalty for that? It was a penalty. Yeah, yeah. he didn't yeah. want to. didn't want to look at it again. Yeah. Okay. The, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Andy, was it, has, has there been much about that over like in the papers? Is there Leinster not on the front pages of Mid Olympic? No. No, the Leinster Saracens is way down uh, the list here. I mean, there's, there's there's a lot of stuff on here, and really with with La Rochelle, with the even the Challenge Cup games, they're getting a bit more print here than Leinster and Saracens. Um, but just to go back to the, the point you're saying, I think we've seen a lot worse in terms of targeting. Like there was no shot, which and it was just it's interesting that Courtney Laws was in studio for the game because I say he'd appreciate <laughs> some of them, but there was no shot, which is the one I don't like to see, which is. It's, it's always going to be late and it's delivered just after the fly half passes the ball and his arms are in the air and his, his rib cage is exposed. That's the one which can really take someone out of the game. I don't think we saw that. I just, I think, Pat, you used the word an accumulation. I think that's what it was, trying to get inside his head. Um, but they, to what they're saying in the press here, uh, certainly they're very, very impressed with Leinster. Uh, the lead-in to the meet-up piece was the powerful Saracens are now only men. The famous wolf pack, wolf pack can finally be tamed, um, and they reckon that Leinster have shown enough that they're essentially one foot in the final already. Great research there, Andy. Google Translate is unbelievable, well, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, so do you think, lads, it's a bit too early to be talking about a Munster-Leinster final, or...? Do you think it's a distinct possibility? Uh, Leinster, Scarlet and the Aviva again and um, Scarlet's great against La Rochelle didn't he? Actually um, the kick off of that caught me out completely half five on a Friday Yeah like, completely missed the first half tuned in to see Scott Williams running over to end the game basically <laughs> I was uh, I was watching I think Wolves against Middlesbrough was on in the, the bar were good Friday drinking as well like and uh yeah, that was on, and I think a big one in that game was uh, we had two our second rows that were, did a job, like Donica Ryan for Rassing as well, but Ty Byrne with a line out steal just as Scarlett to reduce to fourteen men in the last ten minutes, and um, yeah, like that that'd be a great game because you have the backstory there. Scarlett's came to Dublin and did Leinster in last year, so 
I, I yeah, I, I'd, at the moment I'd say Leinster are the favourites and they're they deserve to be favourites. I think they'd go through, but Munster are going to have a much tougher task because they're not getting men back. It's the same lads again, so um, they'll have to. Geez, geez, like you know, if they could somehow beat that Toulon performance, they can do it. But they have to go up again. But you're looking at how good Racing were, like against yeah. against Claremont in Claremont. You know, it's yeah, like we can't take that away from them. You know, and it's I don't know, like even bringing Dan Carter on, who he's still, still got pulling, it. He's still pulling strings, <laughs> yeah. and uh, how they just look impressive again. Look at their squad. Um, for me that's a bit more kind of okay I'd be leaning on uh, I'd be leaning on Racing quite heavily on that one again you can't write off Munster but I'd go on that one but on the other game maybe it's a good thing that kind of in hindsight now you're looking at Leinster played Scarlet like twice in three weeks mm. uh, and it's probably better off they didn't have their their same squads against each other you know because that could have been a couple of three or four times maybe it, maybe they'll be playing again in the Pro 14 as well so they'll be quite familiar with each other now by the end of it but um uh, shows to be an open game rugby I'm sure but I'd, I'd be leaning with Leinster because they just look so strong Yeah Andy um, Nakawara and Dunica Ryan um, you struggle to find a more contrasting pair than them two What are you trying to say? <laughs> I'm just saying they play very different games <laughs> that's all I'm saying I'm, you're making something out of it I'm just making a statement <laughs> so Yeah no, there's, a, there's a lot here about that game yesterday and it was an absolute stormer but, but Jimmy's right for for Racing to go to Claremont and win like that like coming from behind they were still ahead when Paro came went off and mm-hmm. Laidlaw came on and Dan Carter comes in and does like Dan Carter things uh, I I thought it was a brilliant game and some really really good rugby played uh, but Nakaroa needs people like Dunnick Ryan there you know he, he does extraordinary things with the ball things that a second row forward isn't supposed to be able to do but he can't do all the other things that every second forward is expected to do and that's where you need Ryans you need people doing shifts to enable Nakarao to get his breath if nothing else but uh, I, the, the number of, of injuries that Munster have had this season it's going to catch up with them at some point I was surprised they got away with it the weekend it was a magnificent win um, like with, with a try from Conway that will go down as one of the great tries but when you get into semi-final territory against Racing team playing well if Munster are in the final of Belbao they will have had an extraordinary pair of results yeah we could stay talking about this for the next hour but uh, we have to leave it there we're running way over time but uh, we're going to take a look at some of your fan questions next The Hard Yards brought to you by Sports Joe you're welcome back to the Hard Yards. We're going to take a look at some of your social media questions now. Remember to follow us on Twitter at @thyrugby and use the hashtag #AskThy if you want to get in a question for next week. The first question in is from a guy called Well I Am Called Liam. He says, "Connacht game was nuts, but ultimately the season is now a dead rubber. What improvements can be made for next season?" I was actually at that Connacht game down in Galway, and uh, like Connacht at times going forward were really, really good, really positive, but their defence just let them down. Passion. Yeah, well, what is it? You, I think you mentioned there once that you heard Bundyaki just ripping into the boys under the post at, at some stage because they they just weren't pressing up as a, as, a, as a unit as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really interesting. So I was behind the goal and they conceded a try where John Afour ran it in from outside the 22 and not anyone laid a hand on him. That's his party trick, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Friend of the podcast, John Afour. Um, but yeah, Bundy called everybody in and was just giving out stink and yeah just he was a real leader at, at that time yeah and it's like you can see like it was just come from the lads who scored the tries like Adi Loken, Marmion Healy again uh, Aki got himself one as well it's just like these are the lads who often kind of step up as well but it's like um, 
they've been stretched I suppose with injuries and stuff this season as well but um, that, that forward pack aren't as kind of they're not that I know they've changes in personnel but they're nowhere near the same unit that they were who only won the league two years ago like and um, you know maybe it's a, some guys they're on the way and they always lo- they lost uh, Muldowney of course and stuff like that but they just haven't replaced it it's a shame to kind of see that th- these, this is the same team that won the Pro 12 only two years ago and they, they seem to be all over the place and I know Kieran Keane has made a couple of decent recruits for uh, you know for next season but it's kind of a mess at the season and they have to now get their I was going to say well shit together they have to get their shit together you know in the last few weeks of the season because they could be stuck back in the Challenge Cup again like so they're never going to recruit anybody or they're never going to keep it the squad motivated if they're just in that same cycle again next season but you're going to have to you, you said like I agree that they signed interestingly actually in, in terms of uh, the two Aussies uh, in the backs but you're losing someone like John Muldoon and yeah. um, it's up front like, as, as annoying as it is it's up front and if you don't have a pack you can have the best back line in the world but yeah. without a pack you're you're not gonna you're not gonna win anything and I think Ali Muldane has been a huge loss uh, when he went to Grenoble mm. and yeah just have him kind of replaced um, and then again who's going to replace Muldoon how attractive is it going to be? Um, well, you've got Copeland coming in, haven't they? Yeah, Copeland's going to be good. Yeah, I think he's going to bring a bit of bite. He knows what it's about. Um, but you're going to need someone else. You're going to need a bit more up front, I think. Interesting. Um, we're going to beat the Ulster rugby drum again now. Given that Ulster rugby are in serious danger of being in the <laughs> Challenge Cup next season, looking at fixtures and form, and let's be honest, it's likely, do you think that this will impact Rory, Hendy, Stockdale's and in the Irish rugby selection chances for the World Cup from Keith Radcliffe? No, Keith. No, not at all. Um, I think it's actually not... Depending on if they're in Challenge Cup, mightn't be a bad chance for players to play, get used to winning. Um, winning's a habit, so I think that they, these boys are going to... Like put in a decent, decent affair. You can actually get into the European European Cup by winning it. Actually, you know. And as I say, bit of silverware. How good would that be next year? Like, what would they prefer to be in Champions Cup, coming third or fourth in the group, getting yeah. knocked out, or actually competing for something? They um, they, it was an interesting signing last week. It might have got missed as well. They signed the the Sail Sharks captain, like the flank. Or no, he's a he's a kind of utility back. Well, I suppose they call him. Yeah, very yeah. Good. that's a good. That's Have a you very, seen much of him? Yeah, yeah. I looked at him before. Um, my days in Northampton when I was doing a bit of recruitment stuff and we'd looked at him and he's a very interesting player I think he's very good very solid going forward sale rating extremely highly so that's a bit of a coup to actually get him so hopefully yeah. and I see he's Irish qualified as well so I think his mum those Enniskillen Enniskillen yeah absolutely but uh, he's a very very interesting player again where they're going to play him I don't know um, yeah yeah He's a centre He's a, mm. a centre He's a utility So he can play All across the back line Pretty much But um, I wouldn't have said That centre would have been Their key position To look at I think they're quite strong there But um, Yeah again Still the, the main concern for me Is going to be 10 Andy have you any thoughts on this? Uh, I think it's We still don't know How many slots That Ulster will try to be You know Try and fill in their squad For next season um, that's going to be coming out over the next while when the IRFU and Ulster rugby review is finished. That's a major part of the context here because it, it means that are these players being signed to be backups? Are these players being signed to be the main man for next season? And that's a huge, huge difference when it comes to a team taking the next step. Um, Jimmy, what you're saying about the Challenge Cup, 
I mean, it's, it's remarkable that we'd be saying that uh, about, you know, an Ulster side who a couple of years ago we thought we're building again. Um, but right now, the odds are that there will be only um, two Irish provinces in the Champions Cup next season. Um, Connacht's game against Osprey is away now coming up. It's huge. That is, it gives them a chance. Um, and Ulster needs to do good things on their running, which is really tough compared to Treviso. That's what I compete with. Yeah. So we'll move on to the next one here. It's from Lima O'Rourke. He says, which three uncapped or a few capped players would you like to see get decent game time for Ireland between now and the end of 2018? Nine, ten. Nines and tens. Um, we rely heavily. I've beat the drum a few times in this about it. Um like to see Marmion play a good bit more and Carberry play a bit more 10 he's not playing enough for Leinster um, purely from an Irish perspective um, we've strengthened depth across the rest the young lads are all getting game time but 9 and 10 for me the, the only thing I, I kind of apart from if you look even at the Six Nations stuff it's it's uh, back three uh, and our wingers as well I think we're kind of those lads are kind of now that they seem to have kind of dis- um they're not going to call up Tommy Bow. They're not going to call up Andrew Trimble anymore. Um, you see, Eros has got an injury again. Like they're they're a little bit short if they get a couple of injuries there. So that's why I was kind of interested to have a look, good look at Alex Wooten at the weekend. And uh, he's not the finished article yet, but he made a couple of big uh, big impacts. So it'd be interested to see if he goes this summer. And I don't know whether Adam Byrne still seems to be injured for Leinster at the moment, but it'd be great if he could get back before the end of the season and maybe go to Australia as well. Those two, if one of them proved to be an option next season it'd be great I think we've um, quite a few back three actually it was just, like when you said that there I was trying to have a little think and I was like we've got Conway um, we've got Craig Gilroy as well um, who who slipped off but he's still there like yeah. t- uh, Tiernan O'Halloran um, like there's three lads and t- like Tiernan played against the All Blacks in November was he in the field did he finish in the field don't think so. I don't think no? he did. No. Did he not? Okay, I thought I heard that the other day. But, they, um, no, but, yeah, but he was involved in the squad. I'm sure at that time he, he was sorry, in the squad. Squads, yeah. Sorry, yeah. yeah, and he's dropped out now again. But like, I still think that we do have a bit of quality there, you know. And then we've still got our LZ who's out now. Um, Alex Rutten for me, I don't know at the moment. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, I'd be inclined to kind of go where Adam Byrne ahead of the, ahead of him, but. Um, don't think it's the like it's the worst position that we can think of. I, I think if if you look at an injury, if we have an injury, if we're one injury away, like where like if we lose Johnny or Murray, like you, like everyone kind of goes, okay, right, what what's there? Well, for me anyway, I'm like, well, okay, what's there? If we lose a winger, I'm like, oh, that's okay, we've someone else. Yeah, yeah. Um, Andy, who's your hipster choice? So. <laughs> No, I was just going to think about the, what the lads are talking about there because I I definitely get um, Jimmy's point about nine and ten. Just uh, do you, just question for the guys. Do we think that perhaps Joe would go without both Murray and Sexton to, to Australia? Like, do you just have to leave them at home because once they're on the plane, you're gonna play them? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. I don't like. I presume that Johnny's not going to want to stay at home. He'll want to keep the momentum going. Um, I don't know. I just I'd leave. I'd I'd leave them out altogether, you know, and kind of go. You don't want to start them, or else if you do bring them, okay, I'm going to kind of contradict them. So if you do bring them, I'll, I'll bench them. Like have them on the bench and bring them on if you need to to do something. But no, I'd I'd look after them to be honest and and give these other guys a bit of game time because you're going to have to trust the system if something happens. I think this is almost like, um, I think Andy you were even speaking before the Six Nations saying what do we want to do do we want to win this thing or do we want to give young lads a chance Like, I think they'll both go but 
um, yeah, if they left the two of them at home, you can and they didn't win the series in Australia, it won't be the end of the world. And we could end up looking back at it and saying it was almost like South Africa, where a lot of guys came through and kind of earned their stripes. So yeah, like it, it's not like a free pass this tour, and Joe you know, Schmidt would never look at it that way. But yeah, like if they left the two of them at home, I think we'd survive. I don't know whether we win the series, but we'd definitely have a good chance of you know of doing the Aussies when we're do over you, there. But do you not think we'd win if we left nine and ten? Like mm. the, the Aussies aren't, aren't like, great. Yeah, they're not great. And look, like, you've got to like give the credit where it's due, and we have to kind of change the the mindset of like we're the second best team in the world. We have to expect to go and beat this Australian side who are I don't know where they are in the rankings. Probably well, okay, mid table, well, yeah, five mid, or whatever, yeah, five or six. Like, They've done nothing really. Okay, this checker effect, but I think we, we we should be better and and we should be beating them down there. And this is the confidence. That's where we're at now. Mm. That's what exactly. the mindset should be. Exactly. So I think if we take out a nine and ten, yeah, things are going to change. But I still think that we should we should expect to win it. Like it's not as if we're going to go. Oh, we're going to enter New Zealand and we're going to change the the whole side. I don't know. That's my Tuppence word. No, I think yes. I think you're. You think you could be on something. And yeah, as I said, like Marmion, he's rarely let Ireland down. You know, and he's got a chance. And then this could be the the go for Carberry as well. And um, yeah, maybe just give the lads a couple of weeks off, and then just keep them on the keep the phones on, getting charged up, just in case we need them for a third test. Go on holidays. <laughs> get your uh, get yeah, holidays go. in Australia. Yeah. That's, that'll be the one. The classic lines. <laughs> Stay with Tom Court. <laughs> <laughs> Alright lads we'll leave it there uh, Andy thank you for joining us from your coffee store in France You are welcome So make sure to use the hashtag AskTHY if you want to get a question in for next week Thanks to Pat, James and Andy for joining me Shane Dempsey wasn't sound and Fiona Delaney wasn't video We'll be back next Monday with a new podcast Subscribe to it on iTunes, Spotify Podcast Republic, SoundCloud and all good podcast apps to get it straight to your phone This has been The Hard Yards I'm Alan Lachnan Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next week the Hard Yards, brought to you by Sports Joe.